0: If you like what you hear on this episode, you're going to want to come check out my new podcast called the unfuck your brain podcast. What you're listening to right now, the lawyer stress solution has ceased production of new episodes, but unfuck your brain is rocking and rolling. Every week I release a new episode of the unfuck your brain podcast, teaching you the same great tools for taming your brain, but with even more applications to other areas of your life. You can search for it by name, Remember, there's an asterisk instead of the U in unfuck, because we like to be polite, or just click the link to it in the podcast description for this show. I'll see you over there. You're listening to The Lawyer Stress Solution, the only podcast that teaches you cognitive science-based techniques specifically created for lawyers. Learn how to manage your lawyer brain and conquer the stress, anxiety, and overwhelm of lawyer life. Here's your host, former lawyer and certified master coach, Cara Lowenthal. Good morning, lawyers. I started this morning by reading this amazing email I got from a podcast listener named Sarah the other day. It was just all about how, you know, she had tried lots of things, she'd been to therapy she tried talking to other lawyers, obviously talking to mentors, and that the podcast and this work was really the first thing that actually made sense to her and kind of resonated with her lawyer brain. That was so wonderful to hear. So thank you, Sarah, for emailing me. And it's just I'm glad to know that sharing this work with all of you is really helping. I mean, for me personally, I had a really similar experience. I went to therapy for years, and it was great and it helped me have a lot of Insight into the kind of patterns that I had developed. But for me, it didn't really show me how to change them. And that's where coaching was super, super helpful. Just really having a concrete way of intervening in those patterns and changing them through changing my thoughts was what made all the difference for me. So I'm not surprised to hear that that's true of some of you. And I'm just really pleased to be able to offer this work to complement whatever else you're trying in terms of managing your stress. So today I want to talk about one of the things that causes the most stress for my clients and used to for me, and that is perfectionism. I think perfectionism is kind of a buzzword these days, not just these days, probably for the last 15 years, right? We all talk about being a perfectionist. We don't really know what that means. So for instance, I used to think I was not a perfectionist because my thought and my opinion was that my work was not that great, right? I often did it at the last minute. So I imagined a perfectionist was somebody who did their work like well ahead of time and did multiple drafts and reviewed them all carefully, right? And like really produced a perfect product. And I definitely was not producing perfect product in my mind. So I didn't think I was a perfectionist, right? And my house wasn't always neat. And I was often canceling plans because I was stressed or tired, or my closet wasn't arranged the way it could be. Like, (laughs) there were lots of things in my life that didn't seem perfect. And so I thought I was not a perfectionist because, you know, a perfectionist probably has a perfect life. That's what being a perfectionist gets you, right? That was the thought. I was totally wrong about what a perfectionist was. I 100% was a perfectionist. I was so conscious of what was wrong with my work and my life And that actually is the hallmark of being a perfectionist. So when my brain was saying, oh, well, you're not a perfectionist because nothing in your life is perfect and other people's lives are perfect because they do the work to make them perfect, that's actually perfectionist thinking right there. The truth is there's nobody in the world who has a perfect life and who does things perfectly. But it's perfectionist brain that tells you that there are people like that and that you're therefore lacking. So I was 100% a perfectionist while constantly telling myself, well, I definitely wasn't because obviously I was so terrible, (laughs) right? It's like a total catch-22. So how do you know if you're a perfectionist? If you look around and your life doesn't seem perfect, that does not mean you are not a perfectionist. And in fact, it may mean you are one if that's a thought you have a lot of the time. If you're constantly thinking about what's wrong with your life, that's actually a sign that you are a perfectionist. The way I like to think about perfectionism is that it's this belief that things could always be better. It can be so insidious, right? And especially, I think, for lawyers who are really self-critical, and I find particularly with my women clients, the idea that you could always be better and that you and your life should be constantly in a state of self-improvement, that's perfectionism. Now, listen, I'm a life coach, so like I am all about right, improving people's lives and making them better. But I do it because I'm like, why not be happier and have more fun, which is totally different from a perfectionist mindset, which is I have to improve myself because I'm unworthy the way I am, right? I'm not okay this way, and I need to be better. And perfectionists generally are perfectionistic about every area of their lives. I never believe a client who comes to me and in the first session says, oh, I'm only a perfectionist about my work not in my home life. It's like a 100% a lie every time. Not a conscious lie. They don't know. They don't see it. But the way your brain works in one place is the way your brain works everywhere, right? You think like a lawyer at work, you're going to think like a lawyer at home. So perfectionism is the belief that whatever part of your life you're thinking about at any given moment, it could be better and that would be a good thing, right? That it would be better if things were better. So the areas that I see this really impact your work right? So if you find that you are constantly thinking that your work isn't good enough and it could have been better if only you were smarter or a different kind of lawyer or a better lawyer or had done more research or didn't procrastinate, right? Always thinking your work could be better. I also see a lot of perfectionism about relationships with my clients, whether it's romantic or friendships, that they could be a better friend, they could be a better girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or husband, they could be a better partner. Also, perfectionism tends to come up when thinking about the sort of relationship itself, not just you. So like, my relationship isn't good enough. It could be better, right? And also often leads to judgment about other people. My partner should be better. He's not meeting my standards. She's not meeting my standards. The body is obviously a big one, I think, for everyone in this kind of fitness and health obsessed society we live in right now, but especially women who are socialized to fixate on their bodies, right, and to think of their bodies as things they can control and shape and that they should control and shape, a lot of perfectionism shows up in your relationship with your body, right? If you always think you that you could be thinner or fitter or shape differently or better or your hair could look better or your skin could look better, right, whatever it is. Then the home I find is another place that perfectionists get kind of fixated, which is really interesting psychologically in the way that we see our home as an extension or representation of ourselves. So I get a lot of clients who have a lot of stress about the fact that their home isn't organized or these home projects that they haven't done yet. Or they'll say like, well, I just, I want my home to be like a reflection of all of my taste and to create this whole kind of vibe. I want it to be artsy and bohemian, or I want it to be minimalist and chic, or whatever it is. But it's not, right? My kid leaves a toy on the floor. The cat le- puts hair on the couch. I haven't updated what's on the walls, like, and I always mean to, and I never get to it. But it causes a lot of stress and anxiety for them every time they look around because they're thinking, "My home should look better. It should be better than this, right?" It's not perfect. And then finally, what I've already hinted at in some ways is that. Perfectionism is fundamentally the belief that you could be better, right? That yourself, your sort of essential self is somehow is not good enough and should be better. And that's really the root from which all of the perfectionism about work or relationships or other people or your home, they all flow from this belief that you should be better. And it's so ingrained that I think a lot of us don't even question that, right? Right? And often the pushback I get sometimes from new clients is like, well, yeah, of course, we should always be trying to be better, which is a fascinating idea, right? I don't think it's at all inherently obvious that we should all be trying to get better. And I think there is a sort of, you know, American culture is like this mix of a lot of things, but predominantly a mix of sort of Puritan Christian beliefs combined with capitalism, (laughs) right, into this particular stew that we live in. And one of those is the idea that humans are inherently sinful and imperfect and always need to be trying to improve themselves to get closer to God. Now, most of my clients don't think that way. They don't come in saying like, well, I'm a Calvinist, right? Or I'm trying to get closer to God. No. But the idea that humans are inherently unworthy and flawed and that we should be trying to make ourselves better for some unspecified reason, right? Right. Just it would be better if we were better, right? Because now in our culture, we've divorced it from the religious part. So it almost makes more sense to say, like, well, you were born, you know, with original sin, and so you need to be better, get closer to God. That at least is coherent and makes sense. But we've sort of divorced that sort of belief that humans are unworthy and should get better from the whole God thing. So (laughs) instead, we just all have this kind of gnawing sense all the time that we are not good enough and should be better. It's not totally clear why we should be better. We just should be better, right? It would just be good to be better. And that is really that idea that you are not good enough and it would be better for some reason if you were better is what perfectionism is. So what does perfectionism produce in your life, right? It produces procrastination, right? If you think that what you're doing isn't good enough, you're never going to want to finish it. You're never going to want to do it, right? So for a lot of my clients, when they procrastinate, and if you, you heard some of this if you listened to the first episode on procrastination, they're often thinking, I don't know how to do this or it's not going to be good enough, right? People are going to be, like, not happy with my work. So it produces procrastination because you want to avoid that outcome, so you just avoid the work until it gets so pressing that the anxiety about finishing it takes over. It also produces inertia, similar to procrastination in some ways, right? When you are thinking all the time about all the ways you should be better – it doesn't actually motivate you. It actually makes you feel exhausted and overwhelmed. And so then you don't change anything, right? It's like why so many, um, New Year's resolutions fail because you're, you start where you are and then your resolutions are like, well, I should be someone who goes to the gym five times a week and, um, doesn't eat, you know, flour and sugar and volunteers and gets nine hours of sleep a night and has a creative hobby, <laughs> right? Like this whole, alternate, quote-unquote, perfect life you're living in your head that you can't possibly make happen in reality, and so you do nothing. Another thing it produces is critical tendencies, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, not just about yourself, but about other people. We all have this instinctive belief that if somebody else is critical of us, it means they think they're better than us, like they think they're perfect and so they're critiquing us. That's not really how it works. People are super critical of other people when they don't feel secure in themselves, right? If you are someone who loves yourself, you're so much more accepting of other people. I have noticed a huge transformation in my own self, and my own life. Moving away from judging myself all the time, I have become so enormously less judgmental about other people. Judging other people and evaluating them used to be my just go-to. Like if I met someone, it was like the first thing to do was figure out, do I like them or not? What's good or bad about them? What's nice or not nice about them, right? Are they funny or not? Are they smart or not? Are they interesting or not? Am I bored or not? Right? All of that, just constantly judging, critiquing, evaluating, because I thought I should be perfect and I should be better. And so my brain was just constantly in judging and evaluating mode, and it did it to other people. Now that I very rarely think that way about myself, I really don't think that way about other people either. Right? So being self-critical really leads to being critical about other people as well. Perfectionism also leads to pessimism, right? There's a fatalism about perfectionism because you never reach the perfect, right? So it's always like things could be better, but I'm never going to get there. And that produces a kind of pessimistic orientation about life, like perfectionists are more likely to be depressed for that reason. Perfectionism also can produce controlling behavior. Sometimes it's self-controlling, right? So for instance, people who develop eating disorders often have some perfectionistic tendencies. It can also Produce trying to control other people though. If we think that things need to be perfect, right? And what often happens with perfectionism is let's take a a romantic relationship, right? You believe that you're flawed and not good enough. You want a relationship to look a certain way to prove to you that you are worthy and lovable. And so then what that means is you end up trying to control and manage your partner to produce this vision of the perfect relationship so that then you can believe that you're okay. That you're good enough because the relationship is perfect the way you want. And so then you're trying to control and manage this other person so they play the role that you've created for them. All so that you can appease and kind of, you think, assuage your own perfectionism. Perfectionism really produces a focus on external experiences. So if your thought is that there are people out there who have perfect lives, that that's possible, you will always be looking for evidence that other people have it and that you don't. Right? If that's your belief, that's what your brain looks for, for evidence. So it leads to this focus on external appearances. Like, well, these people both look, you know, are good looking and they are kissing in their photo on Facebook. And so their whole lives must be perfect. And if I just looked like that woman or I just had a partner who looks like that or I just lost 10 pounds or I just got that promotion, I would have that perfect life, too right, really leads to this focus on external appearances, because that's all you have to go on with other people, right? You don't know them most of the time. And so you see the external appearance, and you take it to mean that their life is perfect. And you don't really stop and think about what's going on behind the scenes. And that really relates directly to another thing perfectionism produces, which is jealousy and envy, right? That same kind of belief that somebody else has something better, that somebody else's life is better, they're happier, and that you want to have that thing so you can be happy too. And then finally, perfectionism leads to and is rooted in shame, right? The idea that who we are is inherently unworthy, that we can't show our imperfections to other people. And so we have to manage and control that and try to get perfect so that it will be okay for us to be the way we are. Those are all the things that perfectionism produces in your life, none of which are awesome, <laughs> Right? The thing is, perfectionism is your brain trying to keep you safe, right? I just alluded to this with the shame conversation. It tells you that if you're perfect, you won't be rejected. But here's the irony. When you believe that if you were perfect, you wouldn't be rejected, you are actually constantly creating the feeling of rejection for yourself by rejecting yourself. So when your thought is, I am not perfect, I'm not worthy, if I were perfect, other people wouldn't reject me, right? I would always be loved and feel great. You are also implicitly saying, I'm not that way now. How I am now is not okay. You are rejecting yourself and you are just creating the emotion of rejection for yourself. So that big emotion that you fear, right? You're like, I have to be perfect so I don't have to feel rejection from other people. It totally doesn't work because you are actually creating the feeling of rejection for yourself by rejecting your current self that isn't perfect in that moment. So here's why perfectionism doesn't work. Number one, no one and nothing is perfect. Number two, perfect isn't an objective criteria. It's totally subjective, right? So the kicker is that when your brain believes you aren't perfect, it will never allow you to believe anything you've done is perfect. And perfection is subjective. So there's no way to argue with it, right? It's not like you can do a test on your brief or on your relationship or on yourself and be like, oh, I did achieve perfection. No, it's totally subjective. The only way you would know you achieved perfection is if your brain said to you, this is perfect. But your brain will never say that to you when you are someone who believes you are imperfect. See what I'm saying? So here's the way I like to put that. Perfectionism is the lie that if you just get good enough, your brain will leave you alone and let you believe that you are okay. This is so important. I'm going to say this again. Perfectionism is the lie that if you just improve yourself enough, your brain will stop saying mean things to you, and you will be allowed to believe that you are acceptable. That day never, ever comes, right? For the reasons we just said, when your brain is told that you are imperfect, the brain is a pattern-making machine. All it will do is look for evidence for you of imperfection. So it will never find evidence of perfection if your base belief is, I'm imperfect. What all of this means is that the way to get rid of your critical brain isn't to be perfect. It's to accept imperfection. Now, I know that sounds super woo-woo, right? Like you're going to have to sit in a circle of quartz and just pray to accept (laughs) imperfection. That's not what I'm saying. What I mean is remember that perfection is subjective, so you can't trust your brain to let you know when you've achieved it because your brain is never going to let you believe that you've achieved it. Right. So one of the things I like to teach people to do is to s- just start questioning the idea that you even would know what perfection was if you saw it. That you even, that your brain would ever let you believe that you've done enough. Right. Questioning the implicit belief that your brain will totally tell you the truth about when you've done enough or are good enough. Right. As though that's like, as though there's an actual milestone or end of the race you can get to. Just starting to realize that your brain is not a reliable narrator about this, right? It's like a very unreliable witness that changes its testimony all the damn time, right? (laughs) To suit its story. To put another way, you're perfectionistic because you think that the way to feel good about yourself is to meet perfection. That's why we think we got to get to the end of the line. So you can change what you think is perfect right? Which would be like changing the milestone. Or you can change your belief that you can only feel good about yourself if you're perfect, which is what I really recommend. So there are a couple ways to kind of practice thinking this. You can think about all the other people, or even pets you have, you love who aren't perfect, right? Sometimes it's easy to start with pets for people because we don't expect a pet to do anything but just exist and we love it, right? My cat literally does nothing to help around the house. He has no regard for my feelings. Last night he threw up at like 1 in the morning and I had to clean it up. He had no remorse, right? He doesn't take care of me when I'm sick. He literally does nothing. He just exists. But I love him anyway just because he exists, right? And these days I love myself just for existing. That's the journey, right? That's the journey that's worth being on. The journey of writing the perfect brief or having the perfect relationship is a lost cause. There's no such thing as perfect, and your brain would never allow you to believe that you had gotten perfect. But the journey of trying to accept your own imperfection, which takes an equal or even less amount of energy than trying to be perfect, is actually the way to feel better. The other thing I like to encourage you to do is think about why being perfect is important anyway, right? Get like really specific. Why does it matter to be perfect or to be better? Why? You'll find the answer is almost always something like, well, then I'm lovable, right, or then I'm worthy, or then I'll feel better. So you can practice believing now that you can be flawed and lovable, right? Think about the times you've made mistakes and other people have still loved you. Or the time that people you love have made mistakes and you still loved them, right? You've made mistakes and you haven't gotten fired or dumped or defriended a lot of the time. And the same is true. Other people have made mistakes that you know. Other people aren't perfect, right? your mom is always late, your brother's a little critical, your boyfriend never makes the bed, your girlfriend burned all your good pans, right? Like whatever it is, people have done things, people aren't perfect, and you still love them. And so the truth is that the same is true for you. You don't love other people because they're perfect. You love them because there's just something essentially them that you like, right? And that can be true for you too. There can be something essentially you that other people like and love, but more importantly, that you can learn to like and love. So I know this is a little bit of a brain breaker for perfectionists. So to help you all out, I created a special worksheet to go along with this episode because perfectionism is just one of my favorite, favorite things to teach and coach about. And it's so nebulous because so many of us just have assumed all along that we should be better than we are, (laughs) right? So it's helpful to get concrete and work through a few things. So you can download the worksheet at www.thelawyerstresssolution.com backslash perfectionism. So again, it's the name of the podcast, www.thelawyerstresssolution.com backslash perfectionism. And there'll be a worksheet there that you can go through that sort of walks you through some of these questions to help you figure out why your brain is telling you you have to be perfect and how you could start thinking in a new way that allows for a little imperfection. So the truth is, life is perfect exactly the way it is in all of its imperfections. And so are you. Have a wonderful week, my friends, and I'll talk to you soon. If this episode really spoke to you, I want you to consider coming to check out The Clutch because that is where I can truly dive in and teach you all of the tools I know to help deal with anxiety, fear, numbing, and buffering, and more. You will get daily expert coaching on anything you're struggling with, plus a community of women who are going through the exact things that you are facing. And once you've learned how to coach yourself, we have a whole bunch of bonus workbooks to help you with things like managing anxiety and stress at work, learning how to stop numbing out, dealing with dating stress, body image, all the things that can create a lot of anxiety and negative emotion for us. I want you to imagine a life where you don't feel anxious all the time. And when you do feel anxious, it's rare and you know how to handle it. And it's not that big of a deal that is what my life has become. And I know that it's possible for you too. So I want you to check out unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or you can just text your email address to 347 934-8861. And we will send a link right to your phone so that you can get all the info and get started on learning how to get your negative emotions under control so that you can enjoy your life and not have your unmanaged mind running it into the ground. I'll see you there.